Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. We've been, uh, we started a series last week on the Lord's Prayer, on the Lord's Prayer. And we're continuing to journey this series this morning, taking that prayer line by line and seeing what God would speak to us through his prayer that he teaches his disciples to pray. The disciples, if you remember last week, come to Jesus and and they ask him a really practical question. They ask him, Lord, teach us how to pray. How do we pray? And this time, this instance in Scripture is different from many other instances in Scripture where people come into contact with Jesus and they walk away with more questions than they do have answers. Or Jesus tells them some story or a parable and people walk away scratching their heads saying, what did he mean? But this time he gets really practical and he gives the disciples a how-to on how to pray. And so this morning, we're going to look at Hallowed Be Your Name. Last week, we looked at Our Father Who Is in Heaven, and I feel like I need to do a little bit of cleanup on aisle five before we get started. And the reason is, is because when I went home, I said, that didn't go over too well, Sarah. And she said, no, it did not. The one example that I gave, I was trying what I was trying to say, and I may get myself in more trouble here <laughs> than not, but the, the, the impact and dynamic of that first line, our Father who is in heaven, is so paradoxical. This intimate relationship that Jesus enjoyed with his Father, the intimacy of calling God, the privilege of calling God Father, is juxtaposed against the second half of the, half of the phrase, which says, who is in heaven. And it would imply that God is far away, that he's not close to, to us, but Jesus, he just said that he was our father and he is close. So what gives? And in that, I was trying to express the majesty of God, the bigness of God. In no way, shape, or form does your pastor believe that heaven doesn't exist, okay? I just want you to know that, that I think heaven is a real place. You know, Stranger Things, how Stranger Things has the upside down? It's like the opposite of the upside down in every way in real life. It's eternity with God. And your loved ones making decisions for Jesus are with him forever. Jesus uh, says to the thief hanging on the cross, Today, today, you will be with me in paradise. So your pastor does believe that heaven is real. Just to clear that up. Are we good? Okay. All right. Hallowed be your name. He teaches us to pray, hallowed be your name, because he prays this way. Because Jesus prays this way. And we know this because of the first Lord's Prayer. Now, it's not officially called the first Lord's Prayer, and this is not called the second Lord's Prayer. There's only one Lord's Prayer that we read in the Gospels. But if it were called the first Lord's Prayer, in John 17, we're given a window into how Jesus Praise this prayer, hallowed be your name. So I'm going to read a little bit from John 17. It's a little bit of a longer passage, um, but this really helps us get at um, this little prayer in Matthew 6, hallowed be your name. 
So Jesus prays this. Father, the time has come. Glorify your son. In John 17, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those who have given him. You have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed uh, you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled, uh, i.e. Judas. I am coming to you now. But I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Here's the key. Sanctify, remember that word, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, for they too may be truly sanctified. It's a little short passage there from John 17 that I like to call the unofficial first Lord's Prayer. And it gives us insight, and this is the way that Jesus prays because it's at the very center of his identity and his mission, his passion. His passion to see the Father's name being hallowed. From first to last, and at every point in between, Jesus lives and dies to see the Father's name be hallowed on earth as it is in heaven. Now those are a couple of strange words in our context today. The words name and hallowed. Well, you say, name, that's not a funny word. That's not too tedious. But as we'll unpack it this morning, we'll see that they can be kind of clumsy and we need to unpack it in order to understand. Who here wants to understand how to pray? All of us, yeah? We want to pray with understanding of the mind and the heart. And so when we unpack these words, my prayer for all of us is that there'll be a deeper knowledge in how we pray. And who we pray to. So what's in a name? Let's tackle the first one first. Name. Hallowed be your name. The second one first, rather. What's in a name? In biblical times, a name often stood for personal and incommunicable um, character of the person. It was their essence, as it were. 
It was who they were. Their name was who they expressed who they were. You could, you could kind of say it was like a mini personality profile. The name that was given this character in the Bible was like a mini personality profile. And we see this uh, expressed time after time in the Old Testament. There's a guy named Nabal, not Nabal, Nabal in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel. And his name means fool. And we can see from his story that he expresses his name perfectly. The name Isaac means laughter. And his miraculous birth, his parents bursting out in laughter, give him that name. And his life story follows that. In the New Testament, we see that Peter's name means rock. And we watch his story unfold from being a person who's more like shifting sands to becoming the solid rock in which Jesus says, I will build my church upon. So names are important in the Bible. Names are important in this day and age in, cult, in culture. In our culture today, not so much. When we think of names, you know, we think of like social media profile pages, or we think of security checks, or we, we think of all sorts of things, but we don't really think about it in the way that people in biblical times thought about someone's name. They could only go on the basis of a name. They didn't have those things. There wasn't, believe it or not, I tell you the truth, there was no Twitter. I know. Back in the day. No Twitter back then. So that all they had to go on was someone's name. Someone's name. And so it's no wonder that Proverbs tells us that a good name is worth more than silver or gold. And to know the name of God then, if we expand this analogy, to know the name of God is to know some essential truth about his character, about what he's like. Did you know that God has a name? Did you know that God is not God's name? God is a descriptive term that we give to him. But it's not like his name is like God Smith. God is not his name. It's a descriptive God has a name. It's a personal name. He has a first name. And as we'll find this morning, he's got many nicknames as well. So Jesus is instructing us to pray, Father in heaven, hallowed be your character, your personality on earth as it is where you are. Isn't that lovely? Well, you say, that would be lovely if I knew what the term hallowed meant. We only use it once a year. And I promise you, I did not line this sermon up in conjunction with Halloween. And no, we're not going to debate whether Christians should celebrate Halloween or not. That could be a discussion for another morning. But there is a tie-in with the word Halloween and hallow. Uh, all hallows Eve. Hallowed means simply to holify, to holify, or your name be holified. It's the same word that we read in John 17 when Jesus prays to sanctify us, his church. Sanctify holy, 
holify, to be made holy by your name, is what Jesus is saying. Let them be holy by your name, Father. And what Jesus is praying in Matthew 6 in the Lord's Prayer, the second one, is he's praying, your name be treated as holy. Your name be treated as infinitely precious. Your name be valued above any other value. Your name be worth more than any other worth on the face of the planet as it is where you are in heaven. Your name be holified. There's this sense, you see, of worship in that. To revere or to magnify or to glorify the name of God. There's worship in that. Holy is your name. Hallowed be your name. But how many of you know that this doesn't happen unless the name of God is known? How can we worship? How can we holify, hallow a name of a God we don't know? So revelation is bound up in this. The name of God has to be known in order to be revered, yes? So what Jesus is saying all in this line is that your name is so infinitely precious. Let it be known. Let your name be known and revealed so greatly valued here on earth as it is in heaven. Let your name be real on earth as it is real in heaven. So, okay, we've got the two words kind of unraveled here. Uh, the name uh, is someone's character or their personality, and to hallow is to holify. So, what Jesus is actually asking his disciples to pray when they ask, teach us how to pray, how do we do it, is he's really saying, Father, you do what only you can do. Father in heaven, Father of our Lord Jesus, our own Father, make real your character and magnify your name on earth as it is in heaven. Father, make yourself real on earth as you are real in heavens and enhance your reputation all over the earth. Enhance your reputation. Do what only you can do. Notice Jesus doesn't teach his disciples to pray, Lord, let us hallow your name. Or even, Lord, give us the power to hallow your name. He says, no, Father, you do it. You make your name wonderful. You make your name known. You reveal yourself to people. Do what only you can do. You hallow your name. God's always acting. The Father's always speaking and he's acting to express his name and to make his name holy on the earth. He's always doing it because we're so not like him and we're so unholy and we're so not, earth is not like heaven. Earth is broken. And so he's always speaking and he's acting to express what he's like, who he is, and to make his name holy on earth as it is in heaven. And we're given example after example of this in the Old and the New Testament. In fact, one of the most famous examples is in Psalm 23, that we all know this and love this chapter. 
And, and David prays, David prays that for uh, his namesake, for God's name's sake, for the sake of the name of the Lord, that God would lead him down righteous paths. And so we can see through the Old and the New Testament, all through these examples in Scripture, that this is the deepest passion of God's heart, to hallow his name. And all we do, you guys, all we do is simply pray back what's already been revealed to us. We, are, we, we've, we, we simply pray back what's already been revealed, what's been made real to us. That's it. And so we can pray back the names of God, and we can pray back the revelation of God. And I'm hoping that this section, these last two bits here, will help ignite something in our hearts for prayer. And to see what a gift it is to have conversation, dialogue with the creator of the universe who knows us so intimately well, each one of us so intimately well. Whether that's formal prayer when we're all gathered together and we'll do it and we'll pray the Lord's Prayer together here at the end. Or whether it's silent prayer, reflective prayer, contemplative prayer where we just sit and we be still and know that he is God. That something in these next two bits would ignite something uh, in us to, to light the flame of prayer in our hearts again. So we can pray back the names of God. I said before he's called all sorts of different nicknames throughout the Old and the New Testament. These are Hebrew names of God. This is how he, his personality is known to us as human beings. His character is made known or real in the way we could say he expresses his names. He's El Shaddai, the mighty God. We can pray back to God. You are mighty. You are strong. I'm weak. God, I need your strength. You are El Shaddai. You are El Rapha. You are the God who heals. God, my body is broken. I need you to be the God who heals for my body or my coworker with a headache. You are the God who heals. Would you reveal the essence of your character that it's your will to heal us in my coworker's life? We can pray Adonai. He's our Lord, he's our master. He has authority, scripture tells us, over everything. Jesus, would you show your authority here in this place? I need you to be Lord of my life. He's our rock. He's our fortress. He's a refuge in times of trouble. He's a cleansing fire. He's a fountain of living water. He's the lover of our souls, and he's the shepherd of the flock. Make yourself known, we can pray back. Make yourself known as living water flowing within me, spilling out into my circumstances so that your name, your essence, your personality, your character, your reputation would be enhanced in my world. We can pray it back to him. You know, in Exodus 3, verses 14 and 15, we're given the first picture of who God says his name is. 
And it's a little bit cumbersome. Moses is crying out. Moses is desperate. Tell me who you are. God, who, who is this God who, who is setting us free from slavery under Egyptian rule? Who is this God? Show me. Show me your glory. And we read in Exodus 3, 13 and 14, when they ask me, the Israelites, when they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God says to Moses, get this, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. God says he's not, I am just like I exist in a philosophical way, although he does. But in a relational sense, as we prayed over the guys this morning, he's, he's saying, I am who I am. I am with you. I am for you in a relational sense. I'm with you. I'm for you. In fact, it's even prophesied of Jesus hundreds of years prior. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. I am who I am. His name is Yahweh, the Hebrew name. God's first and last name, period, is Yahweh. Or we would um, translate that sometimes in English as Jehovah. He's the God above every other God. This is the closest name to God that the Israelites so feared the name of God they wouldn't even say it out loud. They would abbreviate it with all caps, all caps, shouting. You ever have that person on Facebook who only writes in all caps? Or Instagram or wherever you're at? All caps, all caps. Like, I feel like you're mad at me right now. (laughs) No, God's not mad at you just because his name is all caps. He's Yahweh for you. I am who I am. I am with you and I'm for you. Yahweh is his name. So we can pray back the names of God. We can also pray back the revelation of God. We can pray back the revelation of God. God not only manifests his character through his name, he also manifests his character through his actions. And we can pray the revelation back to him. What he shows us, we can pray back to him. He reveals himself as creator and Genesis. says, this is who I am. I create new life. He reveals himself as a free uh, as the most free being in the planet and outside the planet. He's the most free being there ever was and ever will be. As he delivers his people from the hands of slavery in the Egyptians. He's saying, "I'm a deliverer. I save you. I set you free. That's who I am." All through the Old Testament, he's revealing himself through actions, breaking in to the circumstance and revealing who he's like, what he's like through his actions. All through the Old Testament, and finally, the good news. Here's the good news. That he reveals himself through the action of the incarnation. He finally and fully expresses himself Here's who I, get this, here's who I'm, this is what I'm like. 
sending Jesus? Do we want to know who God is? Do we want to know what God is like? Do we want to know what he thinks about, how he acts in our lives? We need not look any further than the person of Jesus. We could say that Jesus is the action of God to you and to me. He's the action of love and the action of forgiveness, the action of the kingdom to you and I. He breaks in at a certain period of time, at a specific moment of history, in the middle of nowhere Bethlehem, and says, here's what I'm like, Jesus Christ, my son. That's good news. That's good news. His name, Jesus, in Hebrew, the translation is is Joshua or Yeshua. It means the God who saves. His name, Jesus' name, expresses God's character. This is what he's like. He's the God who comes to the rescue. He's the God who delivers out of the pit. He's the God who saves. Yeshua, Jesus. In every word and in every action, Jesus reveals the nature and the character of God. When we look at Luke 15 in the Gospels, we see the stories or the the parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin and my favorite, the the, the prodigal son. The story of the prodigal son. And we see Jesus' heart for the lost. And we can pray that revelation that we see in Luke 15 back to God. We can, we can pray, Father, make your name real in our city, in Cleveland, Ohio. Make your name real. Your love for sinners Enhance your reputation in our church as the God who welcomes sinners and eats with them. We pray it back to God, this revelation of who he is. And then the best part. And then comes Holy Week. And then comes the cross and the resurrection. And on Palm Sunday, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey and he calls out in John 12, 28, Father, glorify your name as he's headed towards the cross. Father, glorify your name. And we're told, John writes, that a voice immediately, the answer's already yes, immediately from heaven, I have glorified it and I will glorify it. How? How does God glorify his name? Well, through the works and the words of Jesus, through the feeding of 5,000 hungry people, through the countless testimonies of people being blind, Jesus putting his hands on them and them opening their eyes and seeing, through the casting out of the demonic, he, he glorifies the Father's name and enhances Yahweh's reputation by healing people, by feeding people, by, um, by being Jesus' presence, God's presence with us. And what about I will? I have glorified it, and I will glorify it. Well, they're talking about the cross. The Father and Jesus are having this little bit of conversation in front of everybody. He's saying, Father, glorify your name. And the Father goes, I have, and I will. 
Well, how will he? Through the cross. Through the cross. The dying of Jesus on the cross is the final and full glorification of the name of God. There's nothing past it, nothing beyond it. It's the full expression of who God is. The full expression. Jesus' death on the cross is the great moment, the moment when the nature and character of the living God is finally and decisively manifested and honored. It's the deepest passion of Jesus' being. It's what he lives and dies for. To reveal the nature and character of the Father. The nature and character of God. His servant love is fully manifested for the entire world to see. Put on display for the entire world to see. Past, present, and future. The one, and here's the, this is, here's the kicker is that the one who teaches us to pray so boldly is in himself the answer to that same prayer. Say it one more time. Get this. The one who's teaching his disciples and who is teaching us how to pray is the answer to the very prayer he teaches. He teaches. 